This is Cat's Podcast, episode number 37. Standing in your own authority with Kelly Dierings. Welcome to my podcast, Kelly. Super, super happy to have you on. So today we have the connection going from Vienna to Pennsylvania. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. It's a, it's it's really an honor. It's a pleasure. And you know, since diving into tantric hatha yoga, when when I started my tantric hatha or traditional hatha yoga journey, um, it was actually you were one of the first ones I did some classes with. And from the first day, I really, really like your classes. I love the wisdom, those reflections that you put in there. It, it really resonated with me. And um, yeah, I guess from that day on, I was kind of hooked with you. And um, so it's, it's so super nice to have you on and to have you share your, your wisdom here today. Thank you. It's lovely to properly meet you through this and be able to talk to you a little bit more and with you. And I think that's the beauty of yoga to bring like all of us together, get to know each other a little bit more, share experiences. Yeah. So thank you for having me. I love talking about tantra and yoga and things. So I'm excited for this. <laughs> and we will do that. So um, you're in this little series where I'm inviting nine women to talk about their spiritual evolution and standing in their own authority, standing in their own power. Because for me, so I came up with this topic because for me, it's kind of connected. I feel that we can really stand in our own power when we don't have this spiritual connection or this connection to our higher self. And so that's just a little bit of a background for anyone listening. But um, so just to intro you very briefly, and then you will tell us more. You are a yoga teacher and mentor. You have been living in Bali for a really long time before that in New Zealand. And now you're in the United States with your husband. And originally you're from Brazil. And you are also having this beautiful mentorship program called Restore faith in your spiritual practice, which we will talk about later. So that's just to give a glimpse for the listeners who I'm chatting here with today. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So we got to know each other. Well, actually, through um, the yoga school, the practice in Bali and Changu. And uh, yeah, since, since then, I've been following you on Instagram and so on. And well, now you're here. So I would love to start with your start with the yoga journey, because I feel this is this is key for all that we are gonna talk about today. So tell us how you first encountered yoga and yeah, and basically what it did to you. <laughs> why it fascinated you yeah like the, the yoga journey it's incredible right it has this ability to change and evolve and as we evolve the the yoga evolve and change and when I started my yoga like it was very different than what I do now 
and pass through different styles of physical practice of yoga, then the way how I study yoga. But basically, when I started initially, I I was doing yoga actually at home. So I worked in the in gyms for many many years, and I loved physical exercise activities and then I was actually getting bored with gym like you know doing for seven eight years the same thing in the machines I was starting to feel like I need something new to do with my body and at that point I was like searching what other exercises you can do with your body and then back then the exercise which I don't see yoga this day anymore as an exercise but back then I did um, it was yoga, and I began to download some old YouTube videos that were there, and I, there was three, actually. There was one that I did for more or less one year, and I did it at home every day, and the same sequence, the same class, it was a 45-minute class, and I thought I was exercising because I felt my body hurting in different ways. But over time, I felt there was something else, like was something else that brought me together in one piece. <laughs> you know, like I realized after working all day, I would like to come at home and do my yoga. And that made me feel centered. The days that I didn't do it, I noticed how I felt differently. And I wasn't even at that time meditating or anything, but I just felt like the way how those postures were making me feel it transformed something in me and I was feeling in a way a little bit more centered. I didn't know back then that that's how I felt, but I knew that something was making me feel good and better and more present, especially. So I ended up doing more and more. And then I finally, at that time, joined a studio. I did Bikram yoga, which is like physically super tough. And I loved the sweat and the intensity. And then I ended up not liking Bikram anymore. I moved through Hatha, Hatha flow, Vinyasa, Yin. And then I come back to traditional Hatha again. And come back to traditional Hatha then, open up the door to understand a little bit more the totality of yoga that was less about exercising and a little bit more about meditation. Like I would continue doing my yoga postures and opening up the, the body and the channels, but the goal was different. The goal was like, how can I make everything physical here the best way possible? So when I sit in meditation, I can meditate better or I can connect with meditation, which for me was super, super hard on my early years of both gym and early years of yoga. Meditation was for me pretty much impossible. Mm. So I began to understand like, you know, and study yoga differently to help me to be able to understand my little crazy mind and how I could deal with myself better, deal with life better, and, you know, even have a couple of glimpses of peace here and there, you know, and, and that's what it led me to this style of yoga that I guess you and I would love it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. There were two, I find two crucial pieces in there, what you said. First of all, yoga helped you or still helps you to deal with life better. And I think that's so important to stress it because yoga is not well, it's the thing that we're doing on the mat, but it's so much more. And 
I think, you know, in the Western world, it's still so much perceived as this exercise thing or as a stretch and just as this thing on the mat, but it's actually there to make your life better, to make your life more easeful. And you could, yeah, you could regard it as a way of life training. So I just like to stress this for anyone who's listening, who's maybe not that familiar with real yoga. So that's what we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing was that you said, well, the postures actually help you to get deeper into meditation. And I find that's also a very, very crucial point because that's the system, right? So there's a, there's a, a real system behind it there's a methodology behind it so we have the postures we have the breath work and we have the meditation and it's all building up on each other and yeah so it's meditation comes at the end when you have worked with your body you've gotten deeper into your breath and then you're truly ready for meditation and um, that's also something that I had to discover over the over the years I would say yeah you know I think that What you said is super important, you know, how you add on to, to those two topics. I, I feel like everybody's experiencing, you know, what they need to experience at that time in their lives. And, and yoga will show up for everybody at that time, how they are open to receive. And for so many of us, like definitely including myself, when I start with more exercise yoga, In a way, if it wasn't for the exercise yoga, I maybe would never, ever have discovered meditation. Because mm. for someone like me who is super agitated, I love to do a lot of things. I love to be busy. I love, like, I love do things. Like, I'm a doer. Like, I love that. And then when I have to sit with myself, sometimes it's hard. It's really hard. So for someone like me, if it wasn't for the exercise yoga maybe at one point I would never have discovered the beauty and the transformative power hmm. of be able to meditate. So that kind of like opened the door for me. And at that time of my life, that's what I was open to. I was open to the flexibility. I was open to the strength, to the sweat. And then somehow when it was the time that, you know, these higher forces wanted me to meditate, they sent me what I needed at that time to begin to evolve my practice, evolve my, my yoga, mm -hmm. and to be able to connect with differently. So I feel like um, we all like in our journeys for a reason at that point that we are, you know, it, and that's the beauty about it. You know, the, the full spectrum of yoga end up showing in a way or the other when we're ready. Mm -hmm. If it's in this lifetime or next lifetime, We don't know, you know, but once we're open to yoga, I think it's natural that we are going to keep searching and evolving. And I think depending on our own personal journeys, it will be different for everybody, like how fast someone is finding meditation or not. Or, and then that's individual, you know, and that's also part of our, our own, I guess, karmic process. Mm. Yeah. So true. I would say the same, that usually the things show up when you're ready for them. And yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I have tried so many times 
to ex-partners, friends, family, and pretty much want to grab them and put them to seat and say, hey, <laughs> do a meditation. You need it. Like, and it doesn't work like that. You know, at the end of the day, I realized that who need to meditation was me because my ego wanted other people to be differently you know so i had to really like take some moment to meditate on my own ego and my desire of changing people and how that wasn't actually helpful for me so you know everybody will do it when they're ready mm. i guess yeah. i fight i fight about that less these days yeah i think that's also well, that's definitely progress because I can relate to that with my own. Sometimes we have this missionary spirit. You, you know, you want people to do that because you're so convinced of it and you love it and you know how, how well it serves you and you want the others to do the same. And yeah, but maybe they're not ready or just, yeah, just take a different approach to, to spirituality or to reconnecting with themselves and um so coming in a bit closer on the term spirituality spiritual evolution it's i mean it's it's such a how would you it's such a heavy term and in a way such a lofty concept as well and what i really want to do in this podcast is a little bit of demystify it and also show well how it's connected you know with our real life our earth earthly life here our mundane life and um and show the the connection and the benefit it brings for our life here and i mean that's also one of the 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 core points in tantra that Tantra wants us to live the best life here, but also have this spiritual connection or the connection to our higher self. And so evolve on that level spiritually, but also thrive here in our human bodies and on this earth. And so for you personally, when you started with yoga, you, as far as I can see it from what you're telling, telling us, you didn't have any, any spiritual um well, no, no expectations there, right? When starting with yoga. So how did it, how did it, gosh, how did it evolve over the years for you? Well, I did, I, I guess I did have a spirit of curiosity mm -hmm. in one way or the other, because, you know, as far as I remember since being like a young girl, like a teenager, I remember always being a little bit of like a dreamer of this cosmic reality like I love always uh, star signs and how the things are cosmically connected and oh. energy I always loved that but I didn't know how that linked to yoga I also didn't know that doing those yoga postures one day eventually would make them to sync because yoga and tantra are sister sciences that support each other and tantra is about energy so Eventually that happened, and I guess somehow a part of me internally was curious about the spirituality. But when I started doing yoga for the physical exercise, like I mentioned before, was that I want my body to be healthy, you know. And then I did my first teacher training, which was in Bali. 
and um, that first training was in 2013, and I wasn't much into Hatha then. I loved the, the whole power of vinyasa and everything else. So all what my teachers were saying regarding meditation, mantra, spirituality, was like coming in one ear and leaving to the other because I was not ready for that. I didn't want to. I was there for the sequences, the postures, the sweat. And when I got my graduation, I went back into the world and that's what I thought. I thought the, the strong physical aspect of yoga for a while and I loved it. And I think I had a lot of fun doing that. It was a beautiful, beautiful time of my life. That was in New Zealand. And I, I moved back to New Zealand and I had an incredible journey with yoga community there, but was more focused on the, on the physical aspect. And I became very busy as a yoga teacher. I was running between 20 to 25 yoga classes a week. Wow. And plus my own personal practice because I was obsessed with postures and sequences. So I remember days like my Tuesday, I had five vinyasa classes. So four vinyasa, one yen. And <laughs> Gosh. I wow. was running myself really thin. And I remember when I had my first awareness of, wow, I feel really agitated, unease, when anxiety, because I have anxiety since very young age from things that I experienced when I was very young. And I never knew how to deal. I also never had a professional help. So I begin later with yoga, realizing that when the anxiety was beginning to start again, and I was feeling quite overwhelmed, I did not know what to do. Like I did not know. I, I lost it many times. I felt in despair. I, I felt very, very like um, confused. And there was one particular point where I asked that question to myself, like, you know, I believe yoga is for well-being. And I teach so much yoga and I practice so much yoga why do I feel so, so much of these feelings that control my mind, control who I am, and I don't know what to do, I don't know where to move, and I feel really, like, overwhelmed? And that was the point that things changed. Like, when I asked that question, I began to be curious about yoga differently. That's mm -hmm. when I began to study more the theory behind yoga, the science behind yoga, why there is eight limbs of yoga, not just one. It's not just asana. There is all the others like, you know, ethics, behavior. There is pranayama. There is a big part of meditation. Like, I, I became more curious about all these other aspects. And they, over time, you know, this process helped, helped more and more. But it's funny what you said before about this spirit of evolution have such a, strong connotation is a strong feeling when you say spirit evolution mm -hmm. and i think is because there was one point we faced that dark side you know there was a point that we faced that thing that has put so much weight on us and we see a little bit at least why we are suffering and that can be heavy you know and then mm -hmm. It's, it's about, you know, slowly working with things that we can work, find help, find support, find teachers, find mentorships, or find psychologists, find therapists um, that can help us to 
day by day and journey by journey, unpeeling this and and seeing light again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the other thing that I have in mind that you know, yeah, that spiritually spirituality is just perceived as this thing that doesn't belong here or maybe that's only for people who have time to you know um deep deeper in dive deeper into that but not you know that well it's it's not for for someone who has to work every day and has to deal with i don't know family and social obligations and whatever so it's it it yeah I, that's that's at least the impression that I have that it's often so separated and looked at as something as a luxury and maybe a little bit woo woo and people don't want to I don't know don't want to go there don't want to deal with that but well yeah. I, I could be mistaken I think that's why I see things a little bit more less black and white these days I think this is part of like that conversation you and I had prior to this call mm-hmm. when I was saying that I try these days now remain a little bit more soft towards things that I don't know because first like I have changed myself so this is experience I can talk from my own right I have changed so many times throughout my yoga journey I don't want to come here now and say I know everything mm-hmm. and this is it, it because I remember saying things three years ago, four years ago, five years ago that I now look back and I feel like, whoa, I had more to learn. You know, I have so much more to learn. So it feels less of like this pressure that has to be so black and white. And maybe looking at spirituality like this, that's not just for a certain type of people or is that just, it's just hard as well. Because I think like, when we are diving into become curious about this journey, time for integration is probably the most important. And that's one of the even like issues I see these days with a lot of when we become, you know, curious about healing and then we become like hyper-focused on our healing. And then initially we found something that helps us to become a little bit better about something like maybe it was a meditation that helps us to become calmer or a physical practice that gave more healing to the body, something like that. And then we begin to pick point so many things that are wrong with us. And it's always just like something wrong that we need to work on and then becomes heavy, you know, mm-hmm. because it seems like we looked at ourselves, like we are this unperfect thing and we reach into something that is unachievable. And I feel like that could be something that can give this powerful, heavy feeling. A lot of times now when I look to do a course or I am going through a change, I give time. I don't rush to the next course like this just because everyone else is doing or that I need to do this and this and that in order to be like everyone else is healing. I take some time, like I do something, I pause. I integrate that in life, see how that actually is impacting my day to day. Can I, you know, function with my husband better? Can I, you know, clean my house better? Simple things like that. Mm-hmm. Can I go outside and garden? Can I have time for my friends? 
So I take time then to integrate all that slowly because, you know, it's not about we're doing the math, it's what the math is showing us. And then we go there back in life and we leave, we leave. I think it's about living life, not using our meditation to escape that life. Sit, sit three hours chanting mantras because it's much better to be there chanting mantras than dealing with a problem that we face as humans. You know, mm. we have things, we have shit to deal. Part of being human is to deal with things. And part of the integration process is go there and deal with these things more gracefully, more sweet, more compassionate, Mm. And, you know, and, and this take time. So I think, you know, don't, don't rush this process and think that we always need to be keep working and working and working on ourselves and, and in this like never stop ending healing process. Give yourself some break, you know, like integrate, go live life a little, you know, experience it, experience the beauty of life. Mm. Mm. That's so important and I love that you're saying that and also that you're pivoting towards healing and, you know, connecting spiritual unfoldment and healing. And that was one of your core revelations that, well, actually, I don't always have to rush for the next thing in my healing journey. I can take the time to integrate and just pause and be content with what with where I am, basically. So would you say that this perspective, so was this really a key shift in terms to your spiritual evolution and to standing in your own authority? I think part of it, yes. Mm. And that it came because, so the realization of this that you described came because I needed to know it's, it's a true answer, a two part answer, I guess. Mm. This. So the first one would be like, I needed to know why am I doing this for? Am I doing all this personal practices, meditations, um, techniques, because it's important for me. And I know exactly that that's my alignment to do at this point in time. Or am I doing this because someone has, someone has, asking me for, like a teacher, a place, a situation, a environment, like, you know, mm. social media. Is someone asking me to do this course? Is someone asking me to do that? Is, is this because I needed to do? And then this comes with knowing ourselves, like knowing, you know, take some time to pause instead of rushing to that next thing to, to know, am I, am I doing this for me mm. or am I doing this for someone else? Because if I don't do maybe this place or these people or this social media going to judge me that I'm not as enlightened or as so advanced as everybody else. And, and I had to take a moment to sit with myself and know what is mine in this journey. And I think this became my biggest question almost every day on using actually yoga and tantra on a daily life. If I have something to say about this mixing tantra and life is like, I use this question very often now. Is this mine to take? Mm. Because is this really my journey? Is this really my path? And once that became like a little bit more clear, and you know, I, 
I have so many flaws and I have so many things that I'm, I'm working all the time. But this question have helped me to filter a lot when I felt that often I needed to be always somewhere else and I need to be this acceleration of the healing path. Mm. And it actually, you know, I don't know if that helped with my anxiety, you know, because I almost felt like I needed to be something for something, you know, and strip out and remember one of like the, the most beautiful teachings of Tantra and yoga and Ayurveda and Vedanta, which is the Samkhya philosophy. A part of us is soul, pure, and a part of us is a human nature. And the human nature, yes, can move and can keep working and, and getting better. But the, the soul is the one who is okay already. And we need to remember that because otherwise we're super harsh on ourselves thinking that always we need to keep changing. And and then begin to see when is the, the time to change and transform because we don't want to just rest 24 hours a day on the soul because we have a life to mm. live, a beautiful life to live and a life that we want to do amazing things too. So then to find that balance when it's time to remember the soul, that the soul is pure, the soul is, is dead, eternal, and you are enough on that level. And then when it's time to remember the, the human side, which in Tantra or some key philosophy is the Prakriti, the time that the, the place of us that can continue changing and evolving and um, dealing with our human nature. You know, so I think that is a, a that was a big part for me to see what is mine in this um, in this spiritual path. To so don't mix other people's journey with my journey. I think that that was the, the first one or the main one initially. And then the second one, the second part would be to see how I'm dealing with the hard times in life. Because I almost lost the faith in spirituality, yoga, and myself during some hard times. That I would sit back and, and ask myself, well, I'm doing all this. Is this really working? Is it really? That I had to really assess that. And obviously it was working because when, you know, things have shown up for us, it's for a reason. But I had to evaluate that time too, that how do I deal with hard times? Because in one way, if I'm doing this yoga meditation often, I will start to deal with these challenges or a little bit more wise or a little bit more patient or a little bit more compassionate. At least one of these three need to be, you know, growing and mm. evolving. Mm. If they're not, I think there is some pause to, to reflect if we are in the right direction. Hmm. It's so good. And I feel both are such valuable tips for, for people listening and for those of you who are interested. The first question of you that you said, what is, what is mine or is this mine to, to take? And then see how your practice evolves. Are you becoming more wise, more patient, more kind, more loving? And if not, maybe take a step back, reassess and um, yeah. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And you know, we are not perfect. 
you know, you know mm. and sometimes we all going to fall a little bit out of grace. And I like to think that there is um, humans in me that will be okay if I am having a human experience and I'm not perfect. Because I know on a soul level, I'm going to forgive myself, you know, mm. for not being perfect. But I want to also part of my mind, a part, the human part of my mind that maybe have a tendency to judge or, or to, to be very hard on myself or others or to, you know, think negatively of things. I like to think that that part can begin to rest a little bit and softening to my imperfections, to, to the flaws and, you know, I, I feel that so many times that I was hard on other people. I was super hard on me. I did mm. not accept myself to being perfect. And that mm. translated to be in a way or the other a little bit judgmental towards other people. And that's, it's not a good feeling. You know, it doesn't give me lightness or expensiveness in my heart. So... I wanted to choose better. Like I want to choose. This is making me feel light and expensive in my heart. Do I feel free in my heart when I have this type of thinking or that I feed this type of thinking? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I like to think that this is making me in one way or the other softer. And I feel that for me, and that's then my journey, um, this is my power. Yeah, you know, because the power will be so different for everybody. Like, you know, how we spiritually evolve, how is that for each person? It's different. Yeah, it is. And yeah, I'm just reflecting on what you just said. It's First of all, I can so relate to this, the destruction of that perfect image that we have of ourselves, right? And for me, it was one of these aha moments in the last year that I thought, oh my gosh, I think this is one of the things that's really key for me in my healing journey that I see things and I have to accept that I'm that way and that I'm not that perfect being that I thought that I am. There are these flaws and they are there and I just have to accept it because they are there. And that in that acceptance, there's the first step of healing. So I love that you brought that up and yeah, that you've made a, mm. a similar experience and it is like this. And that in itself is a softening, right? So then we are mm. like, okay, that's how I am. It's not to say that I'm not working on that, but that's how I am. And um, yeah, I, I can judge myself every day for that, but that only makes it harder. And, mm. or I can accept it and try and be more compassionate with myself and Oof, yeah, that's a hot one. I mean, I'm I'm right in there, I would say. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so she's like, oh, yeah, Kelly, you messed that up. You messed that up. 
you know, and then and then forgive yourself for that. And then obviously it's not to sit and then allow the same mistake to happen again. But, you know, in fact, use one of the most beautiful and magical teachings of yoga and tantra, which is yoga is about awareness and mind and tantra is about energy. So then use the awareness that you are getting and sharpening with yoga to then guide where your energy is going to go mm. after that. Like, you know, you, you saw that you're not perfect. You saw that maybe you had a wrong choice or something that wasn't the most, you know, fulfilling choice. And then forgive yourself for that. You know, know your human side. And then with the awareness from the mind, from yoga, guide energy to a place that is more constructive mm. and more helpful and a better choice next time. Because I feel like in terms of we talk a lot about this energy management and transforming energy. And I think in a day-to-day life, that's how for me it would show up. It's like, I have a choice right now. Right now I have here in my hands two opportunities. And which one I'm going to I'm going to take right now, which one is for me. And I feel like yoga helps us to have more clarity because the mind becomes a little bit more clear about those two choices. We're not just going with the chaos of life, just picking one because it's easier or it's faster, but, you know, choosing what actually feels right with feels often in alignment because our body has like this way of somehow communicating when mm. something feels freeing and aligned because open often the body feels expensive again the body feels yes. open or when the body begins to feel contracted and is stressed and tight and then become aware of this energy that we have and what we can do with that like this energy is existing in this amazing physical body and what i'm gonna do with that yeah. And that is like what, you know, the, the beautiful merging of yoga and life or tantra and life that I feel that is, we begin to see is less and less about the woo-woo conversation and more really, how can I live life being responsible for my choices? And I think that was a, a big one for me, you know, to make myself accountable <laughs> You know, like to be responsible actually for, because I think at the beginning I could easily blame others, people, teachers, everybody else. And I did, you know, and I did. And I think that was also the human in me who was scared. Hmm. You know, I, I blamed others and I hope now slowly I'm taking more responsibility for the choices I have. And in a way, I think that's very empowering Mm. because you have that choice. Then it's not all the people or all the things or the teachers or anything else that holds that power over you. You have that power. Mm. You, You have that. And... I think that was actually the, the main piece of my mentorship. I know you asked before a little about the mentorship and I didn't fully spoke about no, it. No, that's okay. We, I, I still have it here on my, ah, my on your mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But go, go ahead, go ahead. You yeah. know, I think that was probably the, the key part 
of my mentorship, which was when I realized that oftentimes I was putting my practice, my devotion, my belief in others, students, teachers, institutions, uh, ideologists, everything was almost like externalizing. And I was doing a lot for this external validation, Mm. external Mm. love. And I had to sit back and come back to, okay, what is this for me to take? That was the first part. Like, is this mine really? What am I taking? What is mine in this process? And then to, you know, really see when I'm doing something, if I'm doing for this externalization or I'm doing for myself. Because here is what was the key part. If all of these external things, students, teachers, institutions, ideologies, beliefs, change. And maybe even they do something that is, you know, like any other human fall out of grace. Where does my belief sit? Or where does my spirituality sit? Do I'm, am I going to be like broken and in pieces because these external things have changed? So I had to personally sit with that and recognize that a lot of times I did externalize. I didn't do it just for me. I did a lot for this other things outside me. And then this process of becoming your inner teacher, your inner knowing. And, and that itself, it's very liberating. And it's still a process for me. I haven't mastered all that, but it's something that I like to remember a lot. And I like to remember that that inner knowing gives me freedom that my spirituality is in me, is inside me. If uh, a system changed their ideology, if a teacher changed, if a student left me, if something happened, it's I still have this light inside me, you know, that it's not externalized. Hmm. And it's not easy to do that all the time because as humans, we like approval. We like to be connected. We all looking for love. We all looking for love from students, from teachers, from places, from everything. We want to be loved. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to keep balancing that sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I think that helped me to just become a little bit more aware of that dynamic, you know, and, and take some time take some time to, to assess myself and, and begin to turn this practice as my, you know, my own empowerment, my self-worth, like my, my spiritual self-worth, that I'm not doing this because of other people. I'm not trying to impress somebody. I'm going to do three hours of mental repetition because I'm going to be something that somebody will like me to be. You know, no, I'm doing this because I know why I'm doing it. And maybe I'm going to do 30 minutes, but I'm going to do with full devotion that I know it's my connection to God. Mm. Mine, you know. So I had to become clear on that. And, you know, again, this is my experience. I can't say that this is the way for everybody because obviously it's not. But that's something that I went through. And then I decided to create a mentorship, which was Restore the Faith in Our Spiritual Practice. Because people will fall out of their spirituality or yoga for many different reasons. Mm. It's not just this one that I described. There is many others. 
And throughout the mentorship, then I organize five classes. I organize five calls one-on-one and organize questions that go with the classes for people to reflect on that, where they're putting their their self-worth, their spirituality, their devotion, their practice to come back, you know, their heart. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I don't want to tell them that that is the way or this is the only way because there is many different ways, but I want them to know their way. I want them to, to, you know, to listen to their inner teacher. Yeah. That eventually they don't even need me as mentorship anymore. They do one, maybe two, and that's it. They don't have to do more because they start to listen to their Mm -hmm. own wisdom. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I love all of what you just said. And I'd love to come back to your mentorship program in a moment as well. But first, there are like two or three things I'd love to touch on again. So I found it super, super interesting to make this connection or the connection that you just made between spirituality and actually self-responsibility and self-empowerment. And because that makes it so, so tangible, you know, so tangible. And well, here it is. It's like, it's not, it's nothing lofty anymore. It's something that we can really use here in our lives on earth. And so, yeah, I, I love to give this as a reflection to the listeners, actually, to think about how do you think about spirituality and where in your life are you taking full responsibility and where are you maybe hiding or just pivoting around the things that needed more, maybe more addressing and yeah, to think about it in that way. I, I find it really, really a good, good contemplation. And The other thing that I'd like to, well, quickly go back to is you said, well, if we, if we fall from grace or if we do something wrong and then we have this choice of either beating ourselves up for it or saying, okay, well, hold on, I'm human. I made this mistake. I see it, but now let's shift the energy. And I find this so helpful And it's something that I've experienced as well, because it is actually, like you said, you have these two choices. You can go down that road or you can go down that other road, that positive road. So is there something that you could hand out as a tip for the listeners? Maybe also something that served you very well in these moments. How can I make this decision because sometimes it's so hard we're there at this crossroads and it's like I want to go this way but I'm kind of pulled onto that judgmental negative side so how do we make that switch internally I think um, one thing that was helpful for me is the um, like for my realization that When we practice these meditations, whatever meditation is, whatever kriya, whatever breath work even, that we touch the light of some form of sacredness. We touch the light of wisdom. We touch the light of pure knowing, peace, 
can call it love or God, we touch a little light on that, you know, and when we come back from our day-to-day lives, it's not that peaceful all the time. And can I remember to ask myself another question? Like the other one I did before, there is another question that really helped me, which is if I am now experiencing myself in this situation Mm -hmm. through the eyes of God, how God would respond to the situation. And I think that for me started to slowly shift my reactivity. Mm. I have been in my younger, you know, 20s, super, super, super reactive, like angry, like heated. And that shift for me or that understanding or that reflection helped a lot because you know, if you have dealt with anxiety or if you have, you know, emotions that's hard to control sometimes, you might feel like, oh, how come this meditation going to really help me? Because obviously sometimes it's lovely to feel good in a meditation or to stay in that state of feeling blissful in meditation. And it's in life that's like the, the, the test to see if that is working, you know. And I remember when I started to think this way, I felt myself stressed. I encountered a problem, heated discussion, a disappointment. You know, I think that was for me the biggest lesson. This last like three, four years, I went through maybe a couple of times of some disappointments that were um, heartbreaking. And obviously I could take my own responsibility and like, hey, don't focus on that. But somehow I did, and I hurt. I'm a human. I hurt sometimes. And it was very interesting for me to sit back many times and keep asking myself, if I am experiencing myself through the lenses of God, how God would respond to the situation? Hmm. Is it with my natural instinct, which is anger, and, and be mad and talk bad about someone or go there and hurt somebody directly or indirectly? Is that how I'm supposed to be doing this? And that helped a lot. That helped us to see that, you know, if we practice mantra for 30 minutes or we practice mantra for three hours, we are, in a way, God's experiences. Doesn't matter, like, you know, how devoted we are. You know, we are all close to God. We are all, you know, one with And I know some people don't like the word God and, you know, we can use love. We can use peace. So let's say if I am the experience of love itself, how love would be right now? You know, and that helped a lot the times that I felt very angry. And helped me to see that, well, for me, what is the hardest thing to do? Well, be compassionate. It's not easy for me. And then for me, sitting with that love or with God will be to experience compassion. Mm. Mm. I think it's such a good question to, you know, step back and then say, well, how... 
how would God approach this or would want me to do this or whatever higher energy that I feel really drawn to, you know, what would I do out of love or patience or, yeah, what would my reaction be? It's, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, very, very helpful. I find, thank you for sharing that. And I think that this is helpful because as we advance in our know theory and philosophy of Tantra, there is a point I'll encounter the gods and goddesses and uh, um, the Shakti, the power conversation, you know, and they are, the, the power conversation in Tantra, it's manifestation of different forms of gods and goddesses. And in Hinduism, you know, where all of this is born, it's a big conversation. So at one point, we do ask ourselves, I'm practicing all this to be more alike that type of power, that type of God or goddess, you know, and they have a specific characteristic, a specific quality, you know, uh, the goddess of determination, you know, the goddess of abundance, the goddess of all of these different type of energies. And how am I embodying that? Mm. You know, if I would show up to this particular situation as that, how would I respond to this? And, you know, this has been very helpful for me. Yeah, it is very helpful. And also, you know, maybe even looking at it, at energy in that way, that there are different persons or gods and goddesses maybe it helps some people listening you know because energy can be a bit of a abstract theme so yeah looking at it that way and then envisioning it and thinking okay how how would I love to show up which which mm -hmm. energy would I love to be in that in that instance Yeah, absolutely. That is one of the most, you know, sweet teachings of Tantra to remember that aspect. And, you know, in, in India, there is so many of these statues of deities because of that, because they are a reminder of this different, we can say energy or even like maybe layers of consciousness, you know, like mm -hmm. different like uh, avatars, avatars of consciousness, you know, and they have a different vibration, a different, a different energy. So, Initially, yes, we might need an external help of this deity, like look into a statue and try to, to feel, connect to that statue, what that Ganesha statue means and represents. But over time, we want to actually carry that feeling of Ganesha, that feeling of Hanuman, you know, that feeling of Vishnu inside us. Yeah. Like it's, it's something that, yes, there is like an external deity to remind me of what that energy can be a feeling can be an avatar of consciousness is but then over time i want to be able to be encountering a situation in my life and remembering that yeah yeah let's go back to your mentorship program because okay. i'm really curious about that and i feel that you know hitting that point where we doubt our spiritual practice, you know, where we're sitting there. I've had these moments. Um, I, I hear it again and again from other people, you know, you're doing your practices, 
And then there comes a day where you're like, well, why am I actually doing this? Because I'm still not there yet, or I still struggle with this or that thing, or yeah, different reasons, but we might just hit that wall where we're like, okay, why am I doing this? Or we're in a 40-day sadhana, so for the listeners, 40 days of a certain personal practice that you choose you do it for 40 days because that's the time that it takes to create new neurological pathways so but maybe on day 21 you're like well I don't know why am I doing this I could just stop so I find it super helpful to talk about faith and how to restore the faith in your spiritual practice and um, so what are, from your experience, when do people reach out to you? At what point are they in their, in their spiritual journey or yoga journey? When do they mm -hmm. ring you up and say, Kelly, I need help? <laughs> yeah, there is many different, um, many different uh, reasons why. I have got literally like... So many, you know, you, you couldn't pinpoint like, oh yeah, when it happened this, they come to ask me a question or they want to do the program or do something else. Uh, mainly, you know, one of them that comes a lot is, um, Kelly, I'm doing this course, this course, this course, I'm doing that class, that class is just too much of everything. I don't know who I am right now. And there's like <laughs> too much information of yoga, you know, and I think our lives online and with easy access to courses and to buy programs have helped our growth in knowledge. And at the same time, I think it can make us to have so much going on in here on the mind mm -hmm. and in the intellect and feeling sometimes overwhelmed with the amount of different postures, meditation, breath work, and then feel like you need to be doing everything all the time. And it's impossible. That's something that happened a lot. And One thing that I said then, and I repeat, and for me, it's, it's what feels, feels right, is um, to make things more simple. The moment we start to get complicated on everything and we feel that things are much too complicated and, and the head feels like a scramble, simplify everything simplify. I remember from the times I taught vinyasa and I like postures and I begin to learn more postures, difficult transitions. I want to put all of them in one class. And it actually became a fruit salad and became too much. And I did this a couple of times and wasn't, wasn't a good class, wasn't a good feeling, uh, wasn't a good experience. And I had to make my classes more simple, more to the point, and with a space. I always found that this is space for integration of things work much more like instead of more, 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 do something well and have space and then do something well and have a space. Mm. So, but with that being said, a part of me also like discipline. A person like me who would easily be very creative doing many different things. I love creativity. I love create I can see how easy I would just move from here for that. I do 20, 20 classes on my sadhana and start another sadhana. I can see how that would be something. 
So discipline for me, in a way, created my freedom. Because- I love that. That's yes, such a, discipline mm. helped me because I wasn't much of a disciplined person. And then how this helped me create my freedom. Because during a 40-day sadhana, for example, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encounter a lot of different emotions regarding myself, regarding the practice itself, regarding the environment. And then if I stick with that and work through, instead of the first like bump in the road, I already give up and say, oh, yeah, this is not for me. Or, oh, yeah, today I felt like this, therefore this is horrible. And maybe give two or three days extra. Most likely I'm going to experience something different again and maybe something sweeter. So sticking with discipline gave me over time a little bit of knowledge about myself. I begin to learn my own tendencies. I begin to like slowly balancing out the pleasure and joyful things, which our yoga class also have to be. But at the same time, the part of me that don't like friction or that would have a judgment again or would, you know, escape uh, emotion or something. So kind of like navigating this balance in between joy in a yoga class and also a little bit of discipline. Hmm. If we don't have discipline in the first problem we fall out of our goal and if we don't have joy things become really heavy and hard so part of my mentorship also was to develop a class at the end where you do find why you love yoga because at one point you did love yoga or you loved your spiritual practice and then you fall out of it so you need to remember at the beginning what was that thing that you loved? Hmm. Is it Shavasana? Maybe. Then do a little, another five minutes extra because that's what makes you happy. You had a busy life. You were always stressed. Lying down in silence was a gift and you felt amazing. Yes, a little bit of a joy is important too because if there isn't joy, it gets like, like this yeah. sharp thing that doesn't feel... Uh, it feels yuck over time. But just joy, only joy, will make us fall out of sequences of uh, our own practice every day or our goals in life, you know, things that we might want to achieve. So I find it important to have this discipline and joy mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes so much sense. And I, I personally love that approach i yeah i feel it yeah it's 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 exactly that combination that we need or that a lot of us need in yoga and a yoga mm -hmm. practice there should be this this joyful side this love the passion but then there has to be this certain amount of heat or friction or being uncomfortable and being challenged in that way. And I guess that mm -hmm. comes, that's the discipline part then in there that you stay in it when it feels uncomfortable. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I use the word uncomfortable a lot. And I use the word challenge sometimes too. And I feel like that could add into the maybe heaviness of it. And I use that a lot. And as you were talking now, I just thought about a couple of times when I use the feeling of opportunity for expansion. You know, opportunity for expansion, I think, feels sweeter for some people who perhaps they do have already a challenged life. Right. Outside yoga. Oh, man, things are really spicy. And then they're going to go to a class that they heard maybe the word challenge and friction and push. Mm -hmm. They might feel like, oh, I can't do it. Like, it just feels like too much. And it can feel like that sometimes. It does. So I'm... I used a couple of times and I feel maybe I'm going to use a little bit more this idea of opportunity for expansion, you mm-hmm. know, and because I think that feels like a, a sweeter approach to someone who maybe already is going through a lot yeah. and their yoga class is going to be, you know, hard. Yeah. I mean, there are always different ratios you can apply with them. Maybe it's not a 50 joy, 50 discipline thing, but maybe it's a 20, 80 or whatever, 40, 60, but yeah, I, I get it. And it also shows that it's so individual and also so tied into your life. So you can't Mm. separate your yoga practice from your life. It should be, you're doing this for your life actually. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And absolutely. Yeah. So that actually brings me to another point. I want to go afterwards But just staying with your mentorship program for a little longer. So what, going back to your own story again, because I always feel this is the the super inspiring part in these conversations. So what was it for you? So, or what, what can you say about it? I mean, you don't have to tell us what it exactly was, but the... When did you start losing faith and how did you get yourself out of there? Because I feel this is kind of the origin of your, of the, of the program because yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was um, multiple different experiences, you know, that kept um, like the universe knocking and say, Hey, a little bit of suffering for you again. And I had to kind of like, you know, ask that that question, why am I suffering? You know, what's the reason? And there were um, different situations. um, And one of them is related to the struggling that I kept stocked in suffering for too long. You know, like when you... Suffering is part of our human experience and we're all going to experience in one way or the other. Like we might get our heart broken sometimes, you know, we might go through things that makes us feel disheartened, you know, when we feel that we lost our faith in life and spirituality. And then having those feelings are important because we don't want to push them away. We don't want to walk through life like, I don't feel anything. I'm invisible. That's, that's, one way or the other is not helpful, you know, living life. So I felt those heartbroken feelings, you know, and that happened multiple times in the last probably like three to four years. It was like a combination of here and there. 
Mm-hmm. And I notice that that keep like coming and knocking me again and again. And then I had to, I similar to what I said earlier, it's like to reevaluate my relationship with hard times because I would be sitting on the suffering maybe for a little bit too long. You know, like there are some people who don't suffer at all because they block the emotions and, and they don't want to feel. And I was the opposite of that. I felt and then I stayed there for way too long. Like I stayed for months and months and months. So for me, it was like, wow, I need to let this go. You know, I, I need to, to, um, you know, to see why I'm suffering so much. And then came back to, I think, all what we've been talking today, that accountability, you know, like making myself responsible for how I feel, mm. you know, because I put this power externally to multiple different things, ex-partners, ex-places, ex-teachers, ex-students, ex-everything, like things that were outside myself. And then when those things changed their minds, did things that for me was not perhaps what I agree or what I wanted, mm. I struggled because so much of my love and power was there externalized. Mm. And that was the pinpoint. Like, I think then I got tired of that suffering. You know, like I said, this last three, four years, maybe a little bit longer, five even this universe keep knocking me with that same, like, you know, getting stuck in that mm-hmm. heaviness. And I, I got tired of that. I was like, you know what? I, I'm sure I can regain this power in a way. I'm sure I can, you know, re-access this beauty inside me that I don't give so much in a way that external forces have that power. Because mm-hmm. if those external forces change, they will take from me everything that I had. And then I will be left with nothing. Like, I wouldn't want to go practice yoga. I wouldn't want to to go meditate because it will feel like, you know, Mm. what am I doing for? And it's also so connected to that thing or that person that maybe hurt you did something wrong in the world and yeah that shouldn't be the reason for your practice practice. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so i needed to remember life daily rituals that was something that helped a lot in and i put on the mentorship too which is begin to see that your life is like a a sacred ritual Mm. and like things that you do it's an opportunity for expansion and the way how you are going to talk to someone, the way how you're going to make your food, the way how you're going to approach, you know, experiences. And I begin to see this connection, you know, that I can make this power. I can generate, I can like be connected to this power and slowly like doing things every day, whatever that is, because for one person could be go gardening for the other person could be cooking for other person is to chant a mantra. What that will be. How am I putting my heart hmm. in that thing? And, and reaccess that connection to beauty to, to, because for me, 
and for some of the teachings of tantra spirituality is your day-to-day life mm. it's like it's your how you are living your life when you roll your yoga mat and you have to make choices so i realized then that i was making choices prior more related to what my world externally was asking me for and so I put a lot of my devotion outside me. And then through the times when those things shifted, I felt a little bit like lost and disoriented and without floor underneath me. Mm. And I want now my life to be in a way where the things that I do make me grounded on earth, connected and human and a soul. And living from that perspective, you know, and, and live as sweet as I can, you know, as as I can connect to this um, sacred force. Mm. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. So beautiful. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. And for anyone who's interested, so... Tell us just a little bit on, on the practical side of your of your program. Like how many weeks is this? How many calls do they have with you? Is it one-on-one or in a group? Yeah. And then, of they course, are. I will link in the show notes. I will link to your website and your Instagram and everyone can find you. Thank you. So, yeah, it's one-on-one calls. So it's just a one-on-one call. Uh, there are five calls, five yoga classes, and after each call, uh, we finish with some questions where um, the student or friend will go on the side and reflect on. And often those questions are related to the practice that they're going to be doing every day or as much as they can, because sometimes people cannot. So they, if they do every second day, until the next call. And the calls can be weekly or fortnightly. If it's weekly, mm-hmm. I find that the mentorship itself has a very um, trans- more fast transformative mm-hmm. because you do a call, you reflect on the questions, you do the practice. Okay, and the next we already embody. Sometimes you feel it for two weeks, things can get a little bit cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but there are some people who are extremely busy and they have too many commitments right now or moms with many kids or, you know, busy with life. So two weeks is also doable. And um, the, the classes, they are simple classes, but they at the end have a meditation and that meditation will link to those questions that they often begin to see as they go day to day life how that how that impact their life so for example one of the the parts of it is very very the beginning is about how do you deal with you know letting go and forgiveness and then you do a class on forgiveness and then you practice that class and then day to day in your life how can you continue existing every day doing your life things your human things and the times that you need to let go of something, that you're not being mm-hmm. so hard on yourself or on your partner, you know, and, and also the struggles too, because it's important to notice the times that we do feel that blockage. 
And often that is the answer already. Like then we already know. It's like, yeah, you know, here I could soften a little bit. Mm. And then you go to the next stage of the mentorship and the next stage. And eventually we build to the part where it comes into some questions regarding, you know, what do you want right now? Like right now, what do you want? And then what type of yoga class would be connected to that? And day to day, how am I connected to the thing that I really want? Hmm. And then often, like majority of people that I had, they sign up for the second one, which is more casual. Then because after you do the five classes, often you can choose that five classes or maybe another sadhana where they do for 40 days. So then work. Yeah. Sorry, I'm jumping in here. So when you said in the end, when you ask them, what do you want now? So then it would be giving them or do they have to create their own sadhana or how would you do that? It depends. Okay. It depends of the student because if it's a student who is, um, you know, understands like sequencing and postures, then yes, it shouldn't be like, you know what? I like this. I want that. This challenges me. This is joy. This is a discipline. And they can put everything together and they might ask my opinion or not. I also let them to be free. Like, you know, it's mm -hmm. not, mm -hmm. I'm not policing, you know, even being like rigid <laughs> on things, but the question itself will make you to think, I mean, no, make the student to think, where do you want to go from here? And if their yoga practice is aligned with yeah. that goal. And then there is a 40-day practice. And throughout the 40-day practice, also there are things that end up happening, uh, you know, the confusions or the realizations, the beauty too. And they might want to talk to me. So sometimes people been by the second part of the mentorship as a more casual one-on-one -on -one calls to go over the practice or their personal sadhana. Okay. Okay. So the, the second part is basically the 40 days with your feedback. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes one of the first five classes, they see, oh yeah, I did that and it was exactly what I needed. And I might need to stick with this for longer. So they end up not changing that class or they might modify a little bit because they want to add something else or switch. You know, it's totally cool, of course. But um, a lot of times as well, because I have amazing knowledgeable students they like to create their sequences too and it's mm -hmm. really really cool to see someone getting excited about their next like spiritual path and then begin with the postures what meditation to use and you know they put their heart into developing program that obviously is not the answer for all the problems but it is something very positive and very beautiful for them to look forward to Yeah, it's important that we have something aspiring to look to do. You know, it keeps us having meaning. Oh and as gosh, humans, yeah. you know, we need meaning. Meaning keeps us alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So wonderful you're bringing that in. It sounds so so lovely your program. Honestly, it's uh, yeah. You, so Kelly. people reach out to Kelly if you're having only the slightest doubt with your practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so the last thing I, I want to touch on is, well, there could be more things, but let's, let's make it that. Again, you just spoke about it or um, mentioned this 
this softening, you know, more softening into things than this pushing. And we've, we've touched on it a couple of times in this conversation, but maybe just to round things up and how, how would you see that, you know, in, in your own practice, um, but also connected to your life and standing in your own power. How has softening, you know, helped you stand more in your own power? How has it helped you or is helping you live your life with more joy, more easeful, less heaviness? Mm -hmm. um, can you just say a few more words about that? Let me think about this. You know, I think it's not to say that, hey, now I'm going to be lazy and do nothing anymore in life. And I'm just going to rest. I'm just going to, you know, yoga nidra every day, all the time. And that's it. Although a lot of us, including myself, often will be very benefit, benefit from yoga yeah. nidra. Um, I feel like is to know, and that, again, that goes back into that deep inner knowing that things are unfolding in one way or the other as they're supposed to. And mm. we tap into that information. And for me, the softening comes from surrendering to it. You know, I, if I know that I'm doing my practice, so I'm not, not doing anything. So I work, I do my practice. I socialize with my friends. I'm, I'm an active person. So I'm not just resting all the time. So I know that. Then how can I surrender for the things that I don't know? Try not mm -hmm. to control everything. When the universe gives me uh, a news or an experience that is less than pleasant, how can I sit with that and in a way welcome and mm. feel it, mm. feel into, into that experience, into that information? And I think, for me, that creates freedom. Some of the things that I have studied with yoga and tantra it speaks a lot about finding freedom, whatever that is for each person. You know, freedom can look for someone differently than to another person. And for me, freedom is to be lighting my head where my inner demons, that like anxiety that I experienced when I was younger, do not control my experiences and my moments. So then there is always that part of me that's like, oh, it's like softening. And for me, that took power because my nature was to wanting to have the control of everything. And I thought that wouldn't soften my anxiety. Because if I have the controls, most likely everything's going to be perfect. And then I don't have nothing to freak about it, mm -hmm. freak out about it. 
but the things are not going to be like that. And I will freak out about it. So that is the moment that the softening, the, the surrendering comes, the, the grace where like these edges around my heart, like oof, they mush a little bit. And I accept even. There is a little bit of the practice of acceptance. And then again, here to say, not that I'm going to be resting all the time. There are times in my life that I'm doing my practice, that I'm working, that I'm socializing, you know, all that. And then knowing when is those things that become my inner demons. You know, they are almost like my inner, what is my inner demon? And can I soften to that demon a little bit? Like, can I even let this... You know, this like soften the edges a little. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like for me, that took, took a part of me that I didn't know I had. And, and since then, I am a little bit happier. I feel like I am enjoying life a little bit more. You know, I, I have like more an easeful connection to joy. Maybe because I'm not trying to control all the things all the time, you know, and, and this goes back to that conversation that we touched earlier, the, the anxiety conversation. And here I have my soul, which is pure. And here I have my human nature always experiencing things, positive and negative, hot and cold thoughts, emotions, everything. And I used to be more caught in this part where it's like, if I'm experiencing something that is unpleasant, I used to think that I was that experience. And then I became kind of like overwhelmed by that feeling. And what yoga and tantra helped me to see is that I also have this side of myself, which is observing that. So it's not that I'm not experiencing that hurt or that sadness or that you know, anger, whatever that emotion is, but there is a part of me that is shining the light into observing that. And that itself then becomes softer. I can see the demons then like, whew, taking an exhale because that is not the totality. All those fluctuations is not the totality of who we are. There is the other side of us. And I think that's what yoga and tantra have helped me in this journey Hmm. wow so beautiful I loved what you Mm -hmm. said before about about freedom you know this softening but also not having these demons run in your head all the time that's freedom and that's what I feel as well it's like when your mind can just be at peace you know and be in this more easeful, joyful state, that's freedom. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because it will look differently for everybody. For somebody, maybe freedom is being able to travel and do something or being able to buy something or being, you know, like there's so many different ways that freedom can, can represent to us. And if I look to my one, it will be like this internal freedom, like inside feel fluid, yeah yeah for sure it it can like it shows up differently for everyone but it's 
it's just something that really relates to me. So when you were saying all these things, I was like, yes, yes, mm -hmm, yes. <laughs> so, oh, wow. What a, what a beautiful, so sweet. yeah, what a beautiful chat. So is there anything else that you would like to add that we didn't touch on that you would like to chat or just leave for the listeners before we wrap up? I, I'm I'm good. I think and I think we we spoke about of many incredible things. And you know, if anyone is curious to more of this and want to reach out, you know, there is my Instagram and there is a mentorship program. Or you know, just want to say hi as well. You can send a hi to me. You know. <laughs> Um, thank you for this chat, Kathy. I, I really enjoyed it as well. Thank I you. enjoyed to, to get to know you a little bit more too. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Thank you so much for your time, for being here. And yeah, for being this warm and loving and, and wise person. Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you liked this episode and it inspired you in a good way. And if so, please share it with friends, with family, share it on your social media. Maybe take a screenshot while you're listening or a photo of you. Tag my guests and me. And also make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you feel really called, you can also leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and of course let us know what you would like to hear more of any comments any feedbacks there's my email and the link to my newsletter below so don't be shy please reach out i'm always happy to hear from you and um, and interact with you so thank you so much again and i'm sending you much love and hear you next time